So bear with us, listeners, as we embark upon our very first episode, possibly episodes, um, to give you the kind of mythological history of Halloween. This podcast is all about myths, legends that involve mischief and chaos, because as you know, I am an arbiter of chaos. My co-host, Lauren, is an arbiter of mischief. So, Hello. <laughs> hi. <laughs> so we're here to talk about kind of the history of Halloween. Uh, we're going to start with Samhain and move into All Saints, All Souls. So um, Lauren, can you teach me about Samhain? I can do my very best. So Samhain, for the Iron Age Celts, meant the end of summer and the beginning of the new year. It was the end of the harvest season and the start of the cold, dark months of winter because they had like more things to worry about than like petty squabbles. <laughs> like <laughs> real life, the elements. Things, yeah, you know. the, the winter, the, everything's going to be, die, all the crops are going to die if we don't bring them in. So yeah, they would they would have a ceasefire. Everything we know about uh, the original Samhain is I'd say mostly from the Romans because um, the Iron Age Celts didn't write anything down. And Romans- How dare. How dare. Uh, <laughs> Romans love dunking on non-Romans. They just, they, it was their pastime. It was their hobby. They freaking loved it. Some probably didn't even encounter Celts. But the thing is, um, they would tell each other stories about places they hadn't been, people they hadn't met. Because when people are uh, tro- trooping around, and they get really, really, really bored. They start telling each other stories because that's what humans do. We tell each other stories. I mean, uh, isn't that the kind of the reason we wanted to do this podcast in the first place? Because stories have a way of evolving in and of themselves. And this mm-hmm. story that the Romans started way back when now mm-hmm. has like movies that oh, God. Um, are hugely popular today. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, much of what we know about Samhain is from ancient Irish uh, sagas, which by the time they were written down, were already being pressured to conform to Christianity. Uh, We basically uh, have to accept that we are never going to know anything for certain about the original Samhain celebrations. But we can glean things here and there from Roman propaganda and from these sagas that were written down, even though they they were being pressured to conform to Christianity. Gotcha. So what we know is that we know nothing <laughs> kind of like life in general, basically. <laughs> so and what are some of the like rumors or things that Romans told stories about regarding this ancient iron Celtic tradition that they'd heard so much about or that some of them experienced and then told their <laughs> fellow Romans? So um, the thing that pops to mind um, automatically, we do have like some idea that there were sacrifices made uh romans really love to like play that up and be like there were human sacrifices Mm. there's no Mm. evidence there was human sacrifice like at most they maybe sacrificed an animal i would say it's more likely they sacrificed like some share of the crops or something but um yeah romans again like love to play up like human sacrifices were taking place it's like "Mm, that's so interesting because if you do know anything about sacrifices in like some pagan religions um or just non-christian any any type of religion uh sacrifice usually has to do with like just making an offering it has nothing to do with like killing an animal like Mm -hmm. killing a living thing it usually just has to do with 
offering a honey cake to the god of the moon. Mm-hmm. Like yep. that's usually what it is. It, and you just put like a slice of cake somewhere. Nowadays, what do you do to your loved ones when they pass? You bring them flowers. It's an mm-hmm. offering of life. So it's just really silly that the Romans automatically jumped to human sacrifice and like <laughs> killing of things just because this civilization was a bit more primitive than mm-hmm. um, the one that they were used to oh yeah oh yeah and i mean like even modern day like um i know a lot of people who worship uh polytheist religions have like an altar symbols of the gods there or you know yeah like you said like they'll they'll put aside like a small part of um a dinner for a like a special uh, a day they're they're observing they'll they'll put Mm -hmm. like a small portion for their for the god that they worship more or they worship most yeah 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 the romans are just like normal (laughs) nope they were killing people yeah (laughs) totally definitely murdering they were definitely murdering it was all murder which Um, sounds a little bit more like the romans than it does about any other you know you know projection is a thing and has been part of human history since the beginning the important thing to know about uh Samhain is to understand how celts um divided their calendar. So they divided the year into the light and the dark. Uh, Samhain, the fire festival, was the beginning of the dark part of the year. Um, The opposite of Samhain would be Beltane, which was the light part of the year, which was, you know, the start of the harvest. Hmm. Um, Which, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, So Samhain marked when the world of the gods, the um, other world, as it was known, uh, was thought to be visible to humankind. Ghosts of the dead and spirits returned to Earth as well. Uh, the Celts believe the presence of these spirit these spirits also made it easier to predict the future. So they would so they would engage in a lot of like um, uh, future telling activities, uh, which just to I don't know predict the next harvest, uh, predict who they. To predict who they were going to marry. Yeah, I was going to say, are they? Was there like family predictions involved as well, or like tribal predictions? Like this tribe will be successful or victorious throughout the next season. This tribe will go into hard times. Like, did they do stuff like that, or was it yeah. just strictly okay? Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the the Celt celebration of Samhain placed a great deal of importance on boundaries, and this was really what perked me up because I am a fiend for like the thinning of boundaries and liminal spaces and things like that. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So during this festival, um, the impermeable became permeable. Offerings were put out to appease such wandering spirits, which in part is where the tradition of trick-or-treating evolved from. Um, The tradition of costumes uh, most likely came from the Celts tradition of dressing up to confuse or trick the evil spirits who wandered about when the boundaries dissolved. Because you did not want to be caught out after dark with a vengeful spirit. Hmm. Much of the autumnal imagery that's associated with Halloween, even today, is a nod to the roots in Samhain, um, a festival which has always been related directly to harvest. So uh, pumpkins, scarecrows, corn, even the leaves of fall, that's all, that's, that all uh, brings to mind ideas of the harvest and the changing of seasons and the the shortening of days it being a time of transition people have always been fascinated by that by times of transition um because there's there's this belief that that's when magic is strongest and then through religious syncretism the old rituals of the celts were passed down and evolved into 
what the modern traditions and observations of Halloween are. And while I was researching and reading about this, uh, of course, we're in the Halloween season. So yeah. I was I was reading an article and I happened to catch um, a preview for the new Halloween movie. My favorite thing to watch in uh, around the Halloween season is the original Halloween, like from 78. Yeah. I was watching it and I had this like epiphany. I was like, oh, my God, Michael Myers is a she. She spelled S-I-D-H-E, um, which that's because where Celts always spelt things like just through letters on the 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 paper yeah, they just threw said, things onto the wall of the of the rock or like and then they were like this is how you say it this, that's how you say it you have this this terrifying figure who looks human but he's not quite and he, something about him is is not human it's off he's a shape in the night he's a ghostly face in the darkness he's mm-hmm. he, the way he moves there's there's something unnatural about it um, he almost seems to glide at times, and his his would-be victims have to hide from him. Um, n- they don't know his motivation or why he's there. They just know he's a threat. And oh, man. He just, he stalks them, and it's just, it's like, I, I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm thinking about the, uh, I'm thinking about the movie. I'm like, holy God, he's from the other world. He's come mm-hmm. through when the when the um, the boundaries are permeable. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, he comes now, back on Halloween every uh, year. Every Halloween single year, is when he committed his first atrocity against his own family. Yeah, exactly. And now he's this like specter in the night that you have to hide from. That's crazy. Um, I could, I could have, I was like, oh my god, I just, it just blew my mind. And um, I know. More recently, um, the anthology film Trick or Treat. I was just going to bring Sam up. I was like, yep. that makes Sam a she as well. He is. He is, in fact, a oh. she. In fact, he's probably slightly more she than Michael. Because um, he also has rules yep. that, he has, that you have to follow. And if you follow those rules, you're safe. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. And he's, That is he's, so cool. Oh, it's it's. I, I was like, I was looking it up and I was just like, oh my God, I'm seeing all these she's in, bu- in popular culture. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't it? Isn't it? And it's, yeah. it, oh, I just, I love it. I love oh, Trick or Treat. I love that movie so much. You, trick or Treat. Sam is, Sam is my baby. I love oh, Sam very much. Oh, Michael great. Myers, he's terrifying and he can go to hell where he belongs. But like, yeah. Sam is such a baby. <laughs> he's such a baby. He's such an adorable baby who kills people with a sucker <laughs> well i know who kills people with a sucker <laughs> um i wanted to bring up another like unorthodox type of example that has nothing to do with the halloween season but at the same time it has very much Samhain based influences mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever read the book series a court of thorn and roses i have not but i have heard about it okay so cal and may had to mm-hmm. look up pronunciation there translates to fire night that is held in the fictional world of Privian where they that book series takes place and mm-hmm. on fire night it has the same types of celebrations lightings bonfires mm-hmm. the great rite which has to do a lot with sex um, <laughs> finding a maiden um finding a maiden and um there's just a lot of kind of parallels and clearly was inspired by the oh. night of Samhain as well 
just your description, yeah, that sounds yeah. like that is definitely Samhain right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, do spells and open up their uh, physical bodies into mm-hmm. a magical, spirit, more spiritual form. Mm-hmm. And really, they want to spread magic throughout the lands to allow the crops to grow, which again, sounds a hell of a lot like the, yep. <laughs> the yep. ritual you just described. Yep, it, yep. that's definitely Samhain. Yep. So it's just really cool to think about how this thing that really there's no evidence for other than word of mouth Mm -hmm. um, has so many examples in popular culture, including like popular book series, two very prominent horror movies, Mm -hmm. and just an entire season based around this one celebration that happened because of where the seasons were at the time. Oh, yeah. And it, it's just, it it's really fascinating to read about. And there's, like, so many interesting, like, I'm currently reading uh, Death Becomes a Holiday, uh, which it, it has a whole thing about um, how Samhain evolved gradually into Halloween. And it's just, like, you, you just see the influence of it even today. Mm-hmm. Even, like, it, and it's just, that's something I really love about mythology, is you can see that even when we're no longer here, even when our civilization ends there's still gonna be some some remnants of it yeah that's fascinating it's like what the doctor says the doctor says we're all stories in the end so speaking of the romans Mm -hmm. um they decided at one point or another actually there is an exact date to when this was decided (laughs) let me pull up my research here all right um in 609 a.d pope and I'm going to mess up this name. I apologize to all the Italians listening. <laughs> Boniface IV, <laughs> he reconsecrated the pan- Pantheon in Rome and he renamed it the Church of St. Mary's and the Martyrs. I get this information from the one and only Christianity.com, so, um, which is actually like a very straightforward and kind of historical website about mm-hmm. the history of Christianity. So it's pretty cool. So he established this as the anniversary of um, when the church began to celebrate the memory of martyrs. And later, Pope Gregory decided to call it All Saints Day in an effort to <laughs> combat the pagans. Ah, <laughs> yes. it was on the same pagan. day as the pagan holiday. Ah. Um, so then November 1st became known as All Saints Day mm-hmm. um, and All Hallows Day at first because a hollow is essentially in the catholic tradition a saint you know we always use that you even hear it in the lord's prayer um the hollow just like hollow be thy name name. the uh hollow is a synonym for the word saint at least back in the day so that's Mm. how those two were tied together so there was halloween which was all hollows eve and then hollows day or all hollows day um Mm. And so that would become the day that everybody together as Catholics, as Christians, would um, ask for protection from the evils of the world because this was the day that the saints were allowed to walk among us. So they kind of believed that there were saints who could hear us a little bit better that day, which Hmm. is interesting because you'd think that Catholics like or Christians wouldn't necessarily buy into the idea that there's a veil that's thinning and that the the dead could hear us a little bit better well i mean christianity does have a lot to do with the afterlife so it does 
we're yeah. always trying to get to heaven. As someone who grew up Christian, it <laughs> it's a little bit. Hey, uh, I grew up Catholic. I thought that I knew all this stuff, you know, but in mm-hmm. researching, I found out there was like so much I didn't either remember correctly or was flat out like not brought up in school because it had to do with, you know, the transition of mm. a pagan holiday from like the Iron Celts into something that, you know, now the Catholics like we always had to go to church every November 1st. And that always became like a thing because. <laughs> You're up late as kids, like trick-or-treating the night before. So it's really difficult to have to like get up and go to church the next day. <laughs> but we did it. So I think that that's a pretty standard Halloween experience if you grew up in a Christian household, having to also celebrate All Saints Day or All Souls Day, which is, again, seeped in tradition, seeped in Samhain, but mm-hmm. isn't acknowledged as much as we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think that a whole lot of us ever think about the possibility that there's such a rich history surrounding a day that is so spiritual, so religious, so many ideologies like follow it. And then it just kind of winds up being (laughs) costumes and free candy, which by the way, I would like to point out that I, as an adult, I still would like free candy. Dude, I'm right there with you. I want to go trick-or-treating again. <laughs> yeah, why are we not allowed to go trick-or-treating as adults? Because, I, I mean, I know why. It's for kids. <laughs> I get it. But also, so well. Disneyland, and I very much love, like that. And once again, there's another holiday that even gets roped into the tradition of Halloween, and that's All Souls Day. And the difference between All Souls Day and All Saints Day is that All Souls Day kind of celebrates all of the faithful departed. It's for everyone that we've lost. You see it in Dia de los Muertos, um, Mm -hmm. in all kinds of Latinx and Hispanic cultures. Um, And it is also seen a lot in Eastern Orthodox churches, this same type of tradition. Obviously, it's not called Dia de los Muertos um, all over the world, but it is uh, the souls of the faithful who at death had not been cleansed of their sins or punishment and could not go to heaven, but instead... Uh, wander among us and so we do things like hold them in our prayers give them offerings of um, like our guidance like lighting candles for them not so much offerings as like guidance to Mm -hmm. uh, the afterlife and yeah they they actually think that that's where the whole like bobbing for apples and that type of um, tradition comes from because a lot of cultures do leave apples and oranges and fruits I know, I know for me being Korean, we have, we always put oranges on the altars of our, our departed because like you, you need a snack. Like that's literally <laughs> what, what I was told as a child is like they, where they are, they need, they, they need, they need sustenance too. And hilariously, you see a lot of people in graveyards, like leaving beer because <laughs> hey. I've seen that so much. Like you I want to see beer, a like, you, ghost party. And and pour one out like that's all these traditions come from the simple idea that an Mm -hmm. offering is given to someone who has departed and that helps them watch over you protect you whatever that whatever Mm -hmm. you need and whatever the the departed loved one can provide they will and it just comes back to how ridiculous the Romans are. There's no way they were sacrificing human beings. The offerings were 
probably closer to wine and cake and fruit. Oh, yeah. Which the Romans actually did. But they're like, oh, but if you're not Roman, you wouldn't know to do that. Cocoa is the example (laughs) that I bring up because that is very much a story of the Day of the Dead. I love Um, cocoa. (laughs) I love cocoa so much. much. And bringing back to the idea that we're all remembered through stories in the end. Mm -hmm. Once you know there is no longer anyone living to tell your story, your memory starts to fade. And the way to live forever is to have a legacy and a memory that someone can carry on for you. And I just love that notion in Coco that like, you know, I'm going to spoil it. So if you guys haven't seen Coco, like skip ahead, like the next 15 seconds or something. Um, But when Hector starts to disappear and they're able to save him through his song is just so beautiful in the end. And then to have him reunited with his family finally after so many years is just the, one of the most beautiful tales and most beautiful examples of Dia de los Muertos slash All Souls Day that we could possibly have out there in popular culture. It seriously made me a little teary eyed. Um, yeah, (laughs) this, uh, this might be like kind of like off topic, but isn't there a similar notion in uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gods? There where, is. Yeah, where if you if when, once a god is forgotten, they they almost cease to exist or something mm-hmm. along those lines. And mm-hmm. some gods actually have to get like regular day to day jobs because yeah. there's nobody left to worship them. Yeah, I love that notion in American Gods, to be honest. <laughs> But I also love the notion of how manipulative some of them are in oh, order yeah. to be able to continue to be gods, like yep. them needing to have their story told and like them manipulating people into telling it for them. That is also that might be now I'm getting off topic, but that that whole notion of just being remembered through a story and oral history is just fantastic. I just. It's not the point of this podcast, but it is something that we're going to be covering a lot in various episodes, if not all of them. Uh Yeah, this show. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) The whole point is mythology lives on the same stories that we told in ancient times are still being told today Mm -hmm. in just so many fun, creative ways. So I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our first episode uh we will be back with um new topics to cover we're hoping on a weekly basis but based on both of our schedules this is more likely going to be a twice a month situation bi-weekly if you will bi-weekly being every other week not twice a week because it means both things speaking (laughs) language and storytelling (laughs) so once again i'm your arbiter of chaos susan i'm your arbiter of mischief lauren And this is Mischief and Chaos, a mythology podcast.